Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. I am recording the intro on my phone. The actual episode was recorded at the What Cheer Writers Club in Providence, Rhode Island. I cannot recommend everyone checking that place out enough if you're in the area. It is a wonderful, wonderful place for podcasters, writers, and creatives of all sorts. Uh, it'll be at the next meetup, and hopefully I'll see you there. Anyway, I do have a lot to report, so if you want to jump forward, go right ahead. Uh, I've got a lot of news I'll post. I'll put all stuff on social media. I'll put all of the tags for uh, Nikolai and all of her stuff in the soda notes as well. Anyway, a lot's happened since ep- since last time with uh, Jody and Jillian from What She Writers Club, episode number 200. Uh, in that episode, we were discussing uh, promoting the listening party that was about to happen. The listening party has now come and went. I cannot even express how special and what fun and amazing that night was. It really, really lit the fire back in me. I think it, it's really one of the big reasons I think the podcast is coming back in such a full swing. Going to that club, it did something for me where it took the podcast that was mostly something I did online alone, which was great, but now it's like a thing I do and it's, it's, it's so much more social and I met so many people, and so much came out of that one night. I saw so many friends. It was the first time I met people who, like, walked up and said hello and that they had listened to the show, and I didn't know who they were. Or, like, oh, hey, like, uh, this guy Rob's like, oh, we follow each other on Twitter, that we've been following each other for a long time. Um, Just, it was really special. So thank you so much for including me in that to Jillian and Jody. I just, I can't get over it. It was such a wonderful experience. And But because of that, though, that led to a lot of cool podcasting stuff coming on forward. Uh, so I actually, I'm going to tell you for once the upcoming guest for this show, because uh, some of these are because of the party itself. Uh, so the next episode that you will hear will be with Chuck and Chuck Staten and Brad Rohr from the podcast Chuck and Brad. Uh, Chuck does video work for Tell Him Steve Dave. Brad is an improv performer with uh, Providence Improv Guild. They do a bunch of fucking shit. Uh, Chuck Stanton was a few episodes back, and based off the numbers, it looked like a lot of you listened. Uh, so that's going to be fun, recording that next week. I was ju- uh, met Denise, who has a podcast called Art Lectic New England. I was actually just a guest on there. We did uh, 7 and 7, where it was 7 questions with 1-minute answers, which was really fun. got to say thank you for Denise. Um, her and I are going to be recording next month, so you could look, look out for that episode for her. Uh, this is an exciting one for a certain type of people. Anthony, the drummer of Folly, is coming on. You may or may not know, Folly is actually just released a vinyl of the for the 15th anniversary of Insanity Later. I ordered mine, and they're playing a couple shows in New Jersey in December, hoping to get all the guys on. Anthony is uh, set up. You can go back and listen to the singer John or the two guitarists, Agim and Jeff, but I think Arben's the one at the basis I have need to get on. And Anthony, I don't think he's ever even done a podcast, and I've been trying to get all of those dudes, but I've been trying to have Anthony on this podcast for literally six years, so this is a big fucking deal. I'm really excited. And also because of the listening party, I met the guys from You Could Do It, Do It podcast, which I fucking love, uh, and they were so wonderful and so kind. They invited me onto their podcast. I, um, you know, if you go listen to that podcast, I say a lot of things I've never said anywhere else. I'm going through a bit of a transformation, I would say positively. I'm kind of wrapping up doing EDMR therapy, which is a huge change, and I kind of talk about some stuff like that in this episode with Nikolai. And, um, yeah, it was like a day, I think I was, I think I was off my meds or just got, I don't know, I was just in a really good mood and felt like I knew those guys and said a lot of stuff, but they're actually going to come on this show as well. We're setting up a date as we speak. Uh, the fine folks, there's a great podcast called Old Roommates. I cannot recommend it enough. It's where these two people, wait for it, they're old roommates, kind of, you know, revisit, uh, classic stuff from like the eighties and whatnot, like movies and TV as, you know, uh, adults, people, I I don't want to say, I don't know. 30s or 40, I don't know how they are, but uh, we got connected through the club, so we're going to do that next month as well, and I said I was a recent guest on You Can Do It, Do It, should be coming out next month, and also on Art Electric New England is already out, Uh, Let's Chat now has merch, I just made some magnets, which they are $1 donation base. If you want one, just let me know. I'll send it to you for free, in all honesty. Uh, but anyone out there, if there's, if you're interested in don't making a donation for a magnet or just in general, uh, I've had people ask about money in the past. But um, I talked to my good friend David, uh, the, David the producer from The Unbridable Rant, who gave me some great help. Decided to set up a PayPal. If you're out there and you want to support and help the show in any way, shape, or form, financially or otherwise, 
Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You can send a dollar or more if you like to at Let's Chat Podcast on PayPal. If you can or don't, you're unable to or don't want to or can't but want to help in a non-financial way, uh, share this with a friend. You know, that's honestly the best way to know this. Share it on social media. Send them a text. Just, just let people know and make sure you like it on Facebook and all social media stuff. Also, I'm now running a Facebook group with, uh, with Denise, actually, from Artletic New England uh, as one of the other admins called uh, Podcasters of Rhode Island and Beyond. And another big thank you to David, the producer from the I Built Rideable Rant. Uh, I want this group to be more than just about a bunch of podcasters and new medias in Rhode Island. I want it to be kind of a little bit like very Rhode Island focused. Say you're, you're in a band, you're a podcaster, and for some reason you're traveling to here and you need to get some promotion. I want you to be able to join this group to a connect a, like a hub for all these people and vice versa. Uh, the reason I said thank you for David is I wanted to start this thing called Ask an Expert, where we're going to have a series of other people as well who work in and around the podcast industry, and just to give any advice to ones out there. So that was really nice for David to come into the group and help us out with that. And uh, we got some really good f- feedback. So, you know, the you know, my, my email is letschatpodcast at gmail.com. It's at letschatpodcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want a magnet, let me know. I'll send you one for free. If you want to send a dollar, that'd be great too. Um, the other thing, oh, Chuck and Brad podcast. I'm a little over the place, huh? Uh, two great things about those dudes. Uh, when I met Chuck, I had listened to their show. I really liked it. Uh, we ended up getting connected. He invited me to his home, and we sat down, and we talked for three straight hours. And since then, we've, uh, someone, hey, it's kind of like the dream. We've, I, I, I'm going to say we're friends. Uh, we text sometimes. I've seen him at a few of the uh, Watch Here events. He's always just, uh, we just get along really well, so I'm really happy to do the podcast again. They're going to be moderating some more panels at Rhode Island Comic Con. Wait for it. And your boy Chris will also be there because I just got my press pass. So for that, I cannot wait. Um, so make sure you check that out. And Chuck and Brad are doing their Halloween show at the Comedy Connection in East Providence, Rhode Island on October 27th. Please, 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 if you see me there, say hello. I went to their last live show. I forgot. I think it was their 400th episode. It was really fun. And I'm not just saying that because it's um, someone who's on the show. It was like, um, it was a little unsure like from what it would be. It honestly was more of like a variety show. Like their stand-up, they had some like uh, screens with some sketch element to it. And then they had like different comedians would come up and Chuck and Brad, like they, they're funny. I, I really like those guys. I've never met Brad, but I feel like I know him. So that's going to be cool when we hang out for the first time. God, I think that's everything. Uh, so make sure. What a great episode, uh, Nikolai! If you are listening, thanks for waiting through all that, Nikolai. As we talk about in the episode, she's actually my former boss, a uh, former boss, my old boss. She's uh, also a past guest and one of my. I'm gonna say it. One of my my real one of my closest friends, especially around like here. Like, as you all know, it gets harder to make friends when you get older. So I used to work with Nikolai, and then she has become part of like my circle of friends. Like with me and Victoria, like we hang out, we go on double dates. Her husband Christopher is my dude. He's the best. Uh, so this is such a fun episode, but it was great because as you may or may not know, it is hard to see your friends. So doing this episode is great. Because <clears throat> I got to kind of talk about that stuff I don't get to talk about um, anywhere else outside of like work or whatever uh, with Nikolai. So you, man, just make sure you follow her online. From burnout to balance life is the website. Facebook, the Facebook page for is facebook.com slash burnout to balance. Nikolai on Instagram is just at from burnout to balance. You know, check out that. And then she also has her website for empowerment yoga. And one of the cool things, you can go on YouTube, you can see her TED Talk. You can check out her last episode on this podcast with Aaron Alexandra of Business Soul Search, and that was a great episode. I've never talked this long into a mic by myself, so let's, uh, let's hang this up. Anyway, Nikolai, thanks for coming on, and let's get to it. To, I feel like uh, it feels more professional. Yeah, like honestly. real. Yeah, like it. It was. It's fun. Like in people's houses or my house or your. Well, we did one in your office uh, with Aaron. That was so fun. And we did that one in my apartment that disappeared. 
Yeah. You were one of the people of one of the seven yeah, episodes. Yeah, I got lost, huh? You were one of the lost episodes. But mm-hmm. something about doing it in the studio, I was like, oh, my God. This is, mm-hmm. And it's downtown. Yeah, I have a great view. And the view, I was always like, this is really nice. Yeah, it's funny how just being in certain environments, they just, like, affect how you feel and how you perform. And I could totally see being here just making you be like... I'm yeah. an adult, a professional. I feel more creative. Put you in the zone. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, 100%. It is, that's true. I remember you know, this weird thing, too, is like I worked at Starbucks in Meriden, Connecticut, and it was just like your average suburban whatever drive through That was fine. But then I, when I moved here, I got a job working on the Biltmore Hotel, and that was like one of the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was a Starbucks still, but it had copper ceiling. We had a fireplace. Like... It was so beautiful. And I didn't feel, cause, like, the shame of working for Starbucks kind of slowly went away. Mm-hmm. Shame, yeah, well, maybe I also had another job. I'm sure there was more to it. Mm-hmm. But, like, all of a sudden, it didn't feel like working a retail job. There's, like, a weird professionalism we all had there because it was just, like, immaculately beautiful. Yeah, where you are and who you're serving to versus, you know, now they have Starbucks that are in, like, strip malls. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's totally a, a different vibe mm-hmm. than, like, the nice Starbucks and the Biltmore Hotel. Yeah, the, the totally. drive the drive through definitely made it feel that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it kind of creeped me out a little bit when I started seeing drive throughs at Starbucks. Yeah. I didn't feel like that was their brand. Yeah. But I guess they're changing with the times. So. Yeah, because McDonald's is a competitor, but you don't ever think think of them as um one yeah i I just yeah and we're back with starbucks talk for a company none of us have any involvement with anymore um uh so how when you were on the show with aaron alexander our good friend from business of soul searching yes and that was right before felicity was born i want to say yeah i don't think felicity was born yet i I don't think so i was pregnant Mm because that was two and a half was almost maybe a few years ago so what have you been up to for three years? <laughs> yeah. So at that time, I feel like... You were doing private practice at that point. Yeah, and you were fairly st- new. I feel like new. it was like my first... It was my very first private practice office. So I was probably there for six months, maybe. I wasn't even in that office for a year. So I couldn't have been doing it for more than a year. Um but yeah, I just started my first private practice because I decided I didn't want to work in corporate anymore. I wanted a job where I could have more self-control. Um, and over the past few years, I've kind of just been getting my legs underneath me, learning how to run a business on your own, you know, all the fun stuff like administration, and taxes and Marketing, I guess, a little bit, not so much. Um, And now that I'm up and running, I've been sort of refining uh, who I want to work with and getting more focused on, like, what fulfills me and what I really want to do versus, you know, at the beginning, let's keep it real. You start a business. You just got to make sure your bills are paid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course. And, yeah, and so it's interesting because, like, talking to someone in private practice wouldn't be interesting. But what I love that you've kind of done is, like, how would you – I mean, I'll phrase it this way. You're at a dinner party with a bunch of people, and they say, oh, Nikolai, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you just give your quick elevator pitch because you don't want to talk. But so it's – so it's – hypothetical situation people in the field like because you're a private practice therapist but you also have like a a branding component Mm -hmm. like under the name um is it uh you have two what there's i have two yeah Yeah. so i have um own empowerment psychotherapy uh that's my kind of brick and mortar business where i do my clinical psychotherapy work Mm -hmm. um and more recently i've been starting to build my other brand which is from burnout to balance yeah uh that's the one that i'm focusing on more now because i feel like it allows me more to work with the kinds of people i want to work with and do the kinds of work I want to do. Is that more your more passion, fun. you think? Yeah, totally. Is that the, like, the, old, the, uh, the, the money will follow the passion hope? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when, I, so when we first met, at, when we, we used to work together, and then you became my boss, and I know how much you hate when I tell everyone that, so I go out of my way to do it every time. You think <laughs> that I hate it, but I don't yeah. mind it at all. Yeah. It's so funny. Boss, Nick, and then, um, but at that time you were hustling because you were working that full-time job, and then, were you working somewhere else as yeah, well? Yeah, I and was. And doing fiber it. 
Yeah, at one point, I swear to God, I was working like three jobs. No, you were. I remember because yeah. you were doing, I don't recall the name of the place, and then you were also starting your private practice. Like, you were always working towards that, I know. So, like, you yeah. hustled. Actually, this is, this is why I think it's really fun is to, like, I got to, to anyway, besides being friends, but, like, getting to talk to you a few years ago when you're, like, kind of, like, in your hustle. Mm-hmm. And now your hustle's paid off. Like, I saw your Instagram post today. And, oh, like, yeah. You seem to, like, kind of crack the code of happiness, which is more time. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, though? It still is just a constant practice to, like, step back and remind myself, hey, you set this goal for yourself. You did it. Like, you can chill out and, like, look around and enjoy your spoils because I'm naturally such a driven person yeah. that it's easy for me to always be thinking about, like, what's next. Well, so you would never have had time to do From Burnout to Balance um, a few years ago or even up until maybe, like, a year, a couple years ago even? Yeah, I think I needed to master um, just understanding the whole logistics of running a business. It took me time to do that. Um, being in the psychotherapy world where I'm diagnosing and medically treating people, I'm also using insurance. Ugh. So it takes a good amount of time to figure out that and learn all the fun nuances of insurance because sometimes it sucks, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest um, sort of framework to navigate. And I'm so surprised to hear that. I know, right? Yeah. Who would think that working with yeah. insurance would be difficult? Yeah. No, they want everyone to get treated yeah. and better and they want to treat their providers well. You know, I, I pay them a bunch of money yep. and then for some reason, for no explainable reason, I still owe them more money. Yeah. And I don't know when or why. Or you pay them a bunch of money, you find out you still owe them more money and then in the background, people like me are getting told, hey, we don't want to pay for this person yep. for crazy reasons. Spoiler alert, I'll tell you something I found out recently. My sister-in-law is engaged to a man who's a nutritionist, mm. so he's also in the insurance world. Of course, had to share some fun insurance stories. Yeah. And he told me, truth, uh, when they hit their budget for the month of how much they wanted to pay out, they were trained to just deny everybody so that it would come out of the next month's budget because by the time people yeah. resubmitted yeah, all their that. claims, uh, they would have money again. That sounds about right. Yep. So that's insight. It took me a while to learn, like, what are the tips and tricks that are just going to make it as easy as possible for me and my clients to work with so, insurance? And that took a yeah. while. And now how do you balance your public life and private life with that sense? Because, like, your empowerment yoga, you have to – you can't advertise who you're seeing as your clients. Mm-hmm. Is that why you did the two separate things to keep them? Then they kind of feed into each other because um, – It'd be, maybe someone doesn't want to see a therapist and that is like, say you were doing from all under one. Like, I'm like, would I see this person as a therapist if they're a public figure and a therapist? But the way that you separate it, which I mean, personally, I don't give a shit. But yeah. I, I think that it's nice that you do it under the two different guises because mm-hmm. then you could be on psychology today and not look like a scam mm-hmm. artist, which is where I find all of our people, my referrals. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel like there's a part of me that really wants to exist in the clinical medical world because Mm -hmm. it's just the world that we live in. And I want to be able to allow people to use their insurance and get treatment um, and come to just a brick and mortar space where it feels confidential and safe. And you're not using it as a you're not using your clients as a marketing tool to build your business no, yeah, just, and at that point, you're like, just a therapist. Yeah, that, like and, and empowerment. Yeah, so and, and um, you know, empowerment kind of just gives you an idea of what my sort of approach is as a therapist. Well, I see. Like, if I was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and I needed a therapist, then I would go to um, that. That's a bad example because I know you're a wonderful therapist, but like, but you know, you kind of I. I Therapy, it's, therapy is such an odd thing because it's not. There's like definitely a skill component, but it could be you're, you're, you could be very good at it and then not connect with someone, which is obviously not you. So that the connection in therapy is so huge. So I would imagine you probably get a lot of like one step into world. I always call it mm-hmm. like, not like full like uh, autism is caused by vaccines types, but yeah, I open. think I attract uh, people who definitely like want a little bit of woo woo or open to it but also still want treatment that's rooted in like sound clinical evidence mm-hmm. and yeah. science and research. Yeah. Um, and I hope when I was choosing my name, empowerment psychotherapy, I was hoping that like putting those two words together would kind of send that message. No, it definitely does. You know, that yeah. I'm like holistic, but also, you know, I like know my shit. You're not like a mom. You're a cool mom. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> but, but the therapist version. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's cool, too, because you do see this with so many other fields, like with chefs or anything, where there's, like, people are a chef and they become a being a chef. And then, like, there's this thing about therapy. Like, it's been practiced. There's stigma or whatever. So it's also, like, you couldn't brand yourself as a therapist and then go on a talking circuit. You have to almost be, like... Like, Brene Brown is, I'm sure you know who she is, right? of course. But she was a researcher first and then the speaker. Mm -hmm. But, but like, kind of that thing, like, no one's going to listen to just, like, a private practice therapist, but if you're a private practice therapist, but then you also have these other interests, which I love about you is that you have multiple interests and kind of they all do tie in together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're doing really well. Yeah, and I think that's why I decided it was time to start doing more of my from burnout to balance sort of side of my life. Can you tell us about that? Like if someone doesn't, let's just yeah. say no one, know, someone doesn't know who that, what, who you are, what that is. Yeah, totally. So from burnout to balance is um, where I do holistic health coaching um, and I specialize specifically in working with people who are performance oriented, people pleasing and perfectionistic personalities. Um, so it's kind of like life coaching mixed with therapy, but really integrating a health piece as well. Um, and the reason for that is because I realized a long time ago, I am what's called a kinesthetic learner. So I don't know if you remember this back when we worked at like Health Path, we all had to take those quizzes to oh, figure yeah, out like, yeah, how we learn them. information, Yeah, right? Are you an audio person? Do you learn by hearing things? Do you learn by seeing things? Mm. Or do you learn by doing things? Um, and I've always been learning by doing. So like when I was in middle school or high school, I was always the kid who like I could check out in class because a teacher could write on the board and the teacher could tell me something and it didn't matter. It would like never, ever, ever mm. click in my brain. Um, but if I went home and I just took my textbook home and read it on my own and did the homework that night, it would just mm. like click for me. Yeah. You know, I got it. And so I realized um, in like psychotherapy, sometimes I feel that like body, that health piece is missing because we're so focused on like how you're thinking and how you're feeling. Um, but the way that we treat our bodies is really important. And I think like the way we treat our bodies informs how we feel you're, mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And I know just on general level, you are someone who's interested in the whole mind body connection. Totally. And um, it, Man, you're so right. You're so right. I, I totally pushed away from that for a very long time. And it's funny when you said that thing about therapy, about more science-based evidence practice therapy. I've um, done EDMR therapy, yeah, which is science-based, mm -hmm. but also not. I it's guess a little that like woo-woo, but not. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's mm -hmm. really weird, but it's uh, it's. I mean, it's changed my life for the better. But it's so incredible. But it, but um, I think what's kind of cool about that was just like. You could, you're able to kind of pull people in from the say woo woo world and the science world because like you are talking about something for a lot of people that can be very uncomfortable, especially like with health or food or something. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's like that's why I liked my therapist for my EDMR therapy because he is a skeptic, scientific based human being uh, and an EDMR therapist because of like the research and stuff. But you're like someone who's like, well, even if it, because his whole thing, I'm going to guess is yours is, well, if it works. Yeah, totally. Like, he's like, my, my therapist, would, we were talking about it one time or something. He's like, the placebo effect is still an effect. Mm -hmm. He goes, he was like, I can't explain to you why EDMR has helped you get through like your uh, CPTSD or whatever, but it did. Like mm -hmm. we have science, why we think it happened, but there's no, there's no, we don't know why. We have no mm -hmm. idea why my rapid eye movement was able to help me, like, change my entire life for the better. But, mm -hmm. he, but he's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's different things work for different people. Like, if you learn, if you're an auditory learner, you can come into therapy and you can just listen to me and be like, oh, okay, this is what I need to do to be less anxious or less stressed out. Mm. Or if you're visual, I have a whiteboard in my office, which you probably remember from oh, my yeah, other I offices. Yeah. Um, I can like draw things and it can make sense. Um, but I really feel like for people who learn like me through like actually doing things and through their body, I just started to feel like no amount of me telling you what to do or showing you what to do to feel healthier and just better. Yeah. Is, mentally and physically is going to help you if you're still treating your body like shit basically yes you know if you're not sleeping well eating well just yeah. like moving your body mm -hmm. um and unfortunately i think in psychotherapy there's 
there's so much that we're focusing on that that piece just doesn't really get addressed. Yeah, I think you that's... You touch on it, like, a little bit. A little bit, You yeah. know, but not really. And so, like, I've had, like, weight issues and stuff, and, like, I, I saw a nutritionist, and that she was really helpful, and that was great. And then it's, But um, the biggest thing that's been helping me is um, I was EDMR... Th- and I've gone to other th- CBT therapy, DBT, I've done that stuff, and it was all helpful or whatever, but in EDMR therapy, um, we, like kind of got to the root and then went like processed it mm-hmm. and then overnight my emotional eating just I mean the fact I can't even just talk about this is words I wouldn't use two years ago mm-hmm. like I, my, I'll get into myself later if people need but um but what you're saying but like exactly that like and my th- and was just saying it's like well, yeah because no one ever my th- my nutritionist was never going to talk about the the mental aspect never. of it and my therapist was never talking about like the behavioral aspect mm-hmm. of it and then uh, EDMR like kind of unintentionally did it and then like I dropped like almost like 40 pounds like immediately absolutely and I see that all the time you know I see people go to nutritionists or dietitians and I think they do like really really wonderful work I, I learned a lot but right? I wasn't practicing it yeah you can't well. apply it because they just tell you like here's the behavior to do right mm. like just do this or just eat this many calories a day or just make sure your plate looks this way um, but if there's like a mental or emotional component in yes. the background yeah. Um, and I tend to work with people. I call them like perfectionistic, people pleasing. They tend to kind of live in extremes, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, like they might eat vegan, plant based and like work out every single day. But then the weekend comes and they're housing, you know, a like whole binge. shit ton of yeah Chinese yeah. food or something. Yeah. Um, and then they feel defeated. They mm-hmm. feel guilty. Yeah. What did I do? And then it's hard to kind of like get started back up. And it's just this cycle. And a dietitian or a nutritionist, I think, is always going to have a hard time getting to like that aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. that mental piece. And I think that's what you're doing so great because it pulls the two together. And like someone like me who was kind of, which I would never like kind of go toward that world, but like. Oh, it really is mm-hmm. such a difference, man. I can now. I feel it too. Like if I eat like McDonald's or Wendy's, like I actually get like a mild level depression for the rest of the day. Yeah, nothing terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I will actually feel bad. And but now I like. But before I would be cognizant of that, but the obsessiveness or like the like it just would the, the override would kick in. Mm-hmm. So now I've switched to like it's behavioral, and I choose to do it sometimes because I do because mm-hmm. it's hard to break old habits. But it's not like impo- it's not emotionally related. It's more of a it's I'll put it this way: it's easier to break a habit rather than an emotional response to something. Not like oh I felt a feeling, so I'm gonna go eat a Big Mac or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like more of like um, yeah. So it's 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 so it's so interesting. So. You're also someone I know who, like, reads about this stuff just, like, for fun. Like, yeah. go, if it's, like, Saturday night, you're probably in your backyard by the fire reading a psych book. for like, Sometimes, yeah. For fun. Like, I mm-hmm. think I saw. That's the first, when we went to your house the first time when you were docs. Probably. Like, yeah, oh, I reading. definitely go through phases. Sometimes I like to read things to give my brain a rest. And then other times I'm like, no, I want to read. My for fun books are, like, therapy books. Now they're more, like, health-oriented. Yeah. I just finished a book on gut health. I'm really interested in gut health. Explain to us gut health. Yeah, so gut health, the idea um, between gut health and some of the research that's starting to come out is basically – Our gut is anything that's considered basically from like our nasal passage all the way out through our butts Um, and that our guts are just made up of this like vast ecosystem Mm. of different um, microbiota. So like little tiny, I like to think of them as like little animals, bacteria. Yeah. Um, And there are good ones and bad ones. quote unquote, trying to be non-judgmental. There are some that kind of stimulate certain kinds of behaviors and some that stimulate others. Um, But what they're starting to find is that the makeup of your microbiome actually is a big indicator of your emotional well-being and your personality. Um, And they've actually done research studies where they've taken mice. I think this is so crazy cool. They'll take like anxious mice and then they'll take, quote unquote, like average, relaxed, chill mice, um, and they'll transplant the sort of microbiota from one mouse into another, and they'll completely swap. So the anxious mice will become relaxed and, mm. quote unquote, normal. 
Yeah. And then the normal mice will get really neurotic and anxious. Um, and they've done the same things um, with studies of obesity, too, mm-hmm. right? So you can take, like, a skinny mouse and an obese mouse and swap their microbiota, um, and they'll basically swap body types. Wow. Yeah. So I think that shows for me um, how much our bodies are a key indicator for how we feel mm. mentally and physically. Yeah. And, like, being in tune with that is difficult. And you have an entire uh, system or institutions even as well to teach you to do the complete opposite of mm-hmm. everything you just said. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like uh, uh, from from, uh, from burnout. From burnout to balance. From burnout to balance. I, yep. I don't want to say backwards. It's not like you have a multi-billion dollar marketing campaign like to do what you're doing compared to McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Subway, Chick-fil-A. I can keep going. Absolutely. I mean, you have been t- mul- I mean the sugar industry is mm-hmm. which we're now finding out like, oh, it's basically cigarettes is what we're learning, mm-hmm. is uh, very powerful. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, even and even like remember being like young in school and it was always like eat your vegetables but it was always like a punishment mm-hmm. like it was always a punishment it was steamed broccoli and, and not like just yeah, your like school. right and it's not very flavorful no it was disgusting yeah. of course you don't mushy like oh I hate, it was a terrible texture mm-hmm. but like i love roasted cauliflower but not because i don't and i don't eat it for health it just tastes so When I was in high school, I remember I went to visit my cousins who were older. Maybe I was even in middle school. But um, I remember my aunt had made broccoli and I wouldn't eat it. I was probably like 13 or 14. And my cousins were like 17, 18, you know, like about to go to college. So I just thought they were the coolest. But I remember my cousin saying to me, like, I promise you one day you'll like broccoli. Yes. You'll realize it's delicious. And I was like, no way. And now, of course, like broccoli is one of my favorites. Yeah. I love it. You're a veggie by choice person now. Mostly, yeah. So I'm I'm a balanced person. So I feel like anytime we put like extreme food rules on ourselves, that can leave us predisposed to thought patterns that aren't helpful. But I'd say I'm definitely like 75% plant-based at this point, if not mm. more. Yeah. I really enjoy um, shaping my meals around plants. And you don't kick yourself in the ass if you have some fish or some meat. Totally. It's just yeah. like... Yeah. Was that a a hard change for you to make? Um, Yes and no. So I've been like primarily vegetarian since I was in college. So since my 20s, I ate a little bit of fish um, and then I ate like dairy and um, eggs. So what was hardest for me was earlier this year, I really wanted to try going like completely vegan for a little bit just Mm. to see what that was like. and cheese was the hardest. Yes. Um, and I went to a lecture, actually. It was so cool. In January at Johnson & Wales, which is a big culinary school yeah. around here, they invited um, a speaker. He's called Dr. Neil Barnard. Mm. And he actually does a lot of research on um, plant-based diet. But he wrote a book, and I think it's called the dairy trap or ugh, mm. something like that. Google Dr. Neil Barnard. It'll come uh. up. But one thing I learned is that milk has these proteins in it called caseins um, and that they actually attach to the same sort of brain receptors as morphine in your brain. Oh. And that's why so many people have trouble quitting cheese oh. because it actually oh. like feels Good. euphoric when mm. you eat it. So that was oh, interesting. That is awesome. Yeah, isn't that cool? See, I think that's something I always kind of see you becoming as one of those people and you're like with what you're doing with from bottom is like places like uh like i would in academia you would have like professors get to go do lectures at different uh schools and stuff but like because of where we're at i see you becoming like uh, the media personality of that of this area or even hopefully beyond like like i need an expert on gut health and that kind of stuff like they would call like CNN, like, all right, Nikolai, come talk to us and stuff. Is that like one thing that you, because I know you did the TED Talk, which I thought was incredible. Is that like another thing you're kind of looking for is like, you know, just taking all the information and then becoming like a media person with it? Like if it's just even as a hobbyist? Yeah, I think like one thing that's leading me to do this more is um, I'm just kind of from a professional standpoint, and this is not to say like anything ill of my profession, but on a personal level, I feel like sick of having to wait for people to get sick before they end up seeing me. Right. So as a psychotherapist, Mm -hmm. like by the time people have come to see me, shit has hit the fan. 
yeah. basically. Like, they're depressed. They're severely anxious. They might even have, like, to take time out of work. Um, and I just feel like, why does it have to be that way? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping, yeah, as I have time to get out into the community more, to just give people information and research and knowledge that they can use to just be healthier, you know, and focus on living a life that just feels more fulfilling and positive and not wait for them to have to get sick. Well, because it's hard to, you can't measure preventative, right? right? It's like, so what if you meet someone like that and you put them on this good path? There's no way to measure that they would have needed you or anyone as a therapist one day or depression or whatever it is. So, yeah. And and that's a, it's a definitely different thing about our field. There's a little bit of a head to the ground, don't make any way, be like, you know, just do the work and keep going. But like, and, and maybe we do need more people up there jumping and screaming like, this is what we do and this is how we can help you. And like, it is great to see like uh, the stigma has really definitely disappeared. Like people openly talk about therapy now. And mm-hmm. um, I don't recall that happening when I was younger, but that also was my own experience. But I, I think that was still pretty much the case. Like it wasn't as open as it was now, as people talk about it now. Like, but, and, and, but that's what's good. And we need, I also, I'm a big believer that you need like lots of different vessels of different types of people to get out there and do that. So like when I, uh, I'm getting my LCDP, but so like when I'm running like a drug counseling group and I'm talking about mindfulness, I don't look like someone who talks about mindfulness and that can connect to someone who might've like, like me before would have just been like, mm, but it can pull you in. So you're pulling in a whole different type of people, which I think is great. It's actually, I, I quote you a lot at work, but I think it's, um, I'm sure you don't even remember. There was one time, I remember very vividly, we were at our old office in Randall Square, and you were telling me, it it all boiled down to, uh, don't ignore good advice from just because you don't like like the person. Mm -hmm. And that definitely has stuck with me, and it's something I've worked with. I've I've been very guilty of that, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Yeah, it's funny. I um, was talking to uh, a woman that I'm coaching with right now, and she's doing this uh, workout routine, and I was asking her how it was going, and she was saying, eh, it's okay. I really hate, like, I really hate the person who's leading the workout routine, mm. right? And I said the same thing to her. I was like, well, I mean, you can switch workout routines. You can find, like, a different fitness instructor, um, or I can help you connect with, like, a different at-home program. But also, like, just because you don't like the way the person's delivering the information to you or the Mm. instruction she's providing doesn't mean it's not helpful. And maybe sometimes it's what we need because we like to stay in our comfort zones. Yeah, absolutely. And when we don't like something, I feel like it's usually because it's rubbing against something that, like, we need to address. So I've been trying ever since I've been doing more of my own from burnout to balance uh, business stuff to like practice this in my personal life. Mm. And I've been very intentional with my own health, with doing things that I normally wouldn't do, which is why I decided to try eating vegan because Mm. for the longest time I was like, I would never do that, it's too extreme. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't have to do it for forever. Yeah, Let me try and see if I can like learn some things about myself, which were honestly, I was like, oh my God, I really love cheese, it's totally addictive. And honestly now, like, I still eat stuff, but for the most part, I don't even eat dairy because it just, I don't feel good when I eat it. Yeah, it just is that simple. And, and I think I've been thinking of this a lot, of it, like, with politics, too, and just be like, instead of just Im- immediately shutting off uh, someone of a poison viewpoint, mm-hmm. uh, I try to stay t- away from the extremist of on whatever the ver- whatever the topic might be. So maybe I find someone I disagree with, but they're level-headed, they're rational, mm-hmm. and and maybe they're still I disagree with them. But mm-hmm. I, but like there's always a seat. Like I think about this a lot. Have you seen that thing on Netflix called The Mind Explained? Like the I haven't watched it yet. Uh, it's, it's in my queue. Really good. I really really liked it. Yeah, I just since I was reading my gut health book, I was like I can't be reading my gut health book and also watching educational things at it's the same time. It's educational, much. but like really well done. Interesting. It's done for people who have no interest in this field anyway. It's very, Mm -hmm. uh, I I would recommend the psychedelics episode and the hallucinogenics and the dreams were my two favorite episodes. Uh, But I connected with it really deeply, but um, something like, so the way I ended up in EDMR therapy was just completely by chance. I just happened to call the place. Doesn't matter. I needed a therapist. I called uh, this place. They assigned me this person. He's like, I do EDMR therapy. I don't know what that is, but uh, whatever. Maybe I never would have done it. Whatever. Um, 
But so from learning from that, and this is will tie into the Netflix thing, is uh, like, you know, there's a lot of the stuff about the microdosing with uh, like mushrooms. Mm-hmm. There's ways to get the same effects of the psychedelic therapeutics, which is like through, uh, which they talk about, but I've learned, and it's like EDMR therapy, hypnosis, meditation, and hallucinogenics all basically light up the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And we don't know much beyond that or what it is. Uh, so, and I've, uh, it's kind of a long tangent. Have you ever heard of Win Huff? Uh, he look him up. He's called. They call him the, the Ice Man. Is his name? He holds like the world record for like swimming underwater under ice the longest. He hikes Mount Everest in shorts, and he does all of this through breathing patterns. Like he's mm-hmm. like trained his body, mm-hmm. and uh, but he's also a scientistic. Sci- he's a skeptic, so he submits everything he does to research. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back to that is. His whole thing was about like breathing patterns and how it can control the mind and the subconscious. And before I'd be like, "Wow, I never believed that stuff," but it worked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I, I was thinking about, I was like, "Man, I like maybe hallucinogenics. I had found interest in, but I've never done. But like meditation and hypnosis, uh, I totally just never. I turned myself off from that world, mm-hmm. and now like thousands of years have gone by, and the, there seems to be one through line, which seems to be like." breath patterns and access in the subconscious that all these things that I ignored had at least one core concept that changed my life and will can change anyone's life. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was like a good thing. Cause like before I would like, if you said meditation or hypnosis, like I'm out, I'm done. Like if I even knew what EDMR is, I probably like, this is fucking stupid. I'm not doing this, but I'm glad I did. And so I guess that's the thing is like, find everything that you don't like. And if there's a running theme in there, there's, there's always going to be a seed of truth. Like, I've been thinking about this. I'm kind of odd, I guess, but, like, with, like, UFOs, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know the answer, right? I don't mm-hmm. think anyone does. That's the whole point. But it's been talked about, and there's so much of it in history. Like, there's got to be a seed of truth to it. Mm-hmm. To some of it. I'm, I, don't, I don't know what. I don't know if it's aliens, and maybe our generation or our lifetime, we don't get to find out. But if something like that, from so many things I was turned off of, it consp- that's why conspiracy are thuns, because there's always, like... There's always a little seed of truth in mm-hmm. there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's been, it's great. Like when you start to do that and just be like, oh, all right. I should listen to things that aren't just things I like mm-hmm. or listen to. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big tangent. That was fun. I agree. <laughs> and so um, one thing I do want to ask you is like, what changes have you seen in your, like your personal life? Like, um, I remember the first time after you, I, we got, we had lunch after you had left our job. Mm-hmm. You physically just looked taller. Your skin was clear. You just looked happy. Like you looked really good. Like I was like, damn, you look, you look confident as fuck. And like you could see this, the physical change. But every, in, ever since then, though, since you stopped working three jobs, mm-hmm. turns out, uh, every time I see you, you just look happy. Not to say that life is not depression and anxiety, and we don't, we all have that stuff. But you seem like your life has gotten to a really good place. Like, what are you now doing? Like, what has been the reward for all of your hard work to get to this point? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, having more time and um, having more time, but also the confidence to kind of do with my time whatever I want. So, like, today I scheduled that I'm not going to see any clients so that I can spend time at home reflecting and building processes and thinking about marketing and bigger picture stuff. What does that look like? Uh, So it's funny, I should have brought it, but today it looked like making a big flow sheet to just think about who are the people that I really love working with? Mm -hmm. What are the things I really help, I love helping people with? Mm. Like people with GI issues, people who have issues around food, like emotional eating or binge eating, or people who are in like really high burnout professions, like Mm. teaching or nursing or therapy um, that leave them vulnerable to the emotional eating or leave them vulnerable to these like actual very real GI issues. Um, And thinking bigger picture, like how can I connect more with these people Mm -hmm. and be more proactive? And not just in a therapeutic way. Is this like, so like if someone listening. This is like from burnout to balance. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone could just like go call you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a website. It's from burnoutsbalance.life. But that was something that I became frustrated with in the psychotherapy world is sometimes what will happen is people will come to you only because you take their insurance are only because your office is down the street from where they live or where they work, Yeah. right? And I really believe, I was a minor in information technology mm. when I was an undergraduate. So I believe in the power of technology yeah. when uh, used effectively to help people feel better and bring people together. Sure. Um, and I just feel like I want to be able to work with people based on 
who they are and if they're a good fit for me and not just because my office is close by. Sure. You know? And so what what are the differences you've seen in your life, professional and personally, now that you're doing that, like with more time, like what is, what are you doing with your free time? Like what's like, what is the, like the reward? Like my therapist always says that happiness is not a goal. It's an objective mm-hmm. that your goal, completing your goal should lead to happiness. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm guessing you're happy. <laughs> yeah. And I just like, I can take time off whenever I want and I don't have to worry about um, if I can pay my bills and I don't have to feel guilty about it. So like two weeks ago, my husband and I were supposed to go on a fishing charter on a Thursday, right? Before, I feel like even when I first started my private practice, I would have scheduled my time off on like a Friday or a Monday, Mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't like too crazy disruptive. Uh, But this is when the charter came up and I wanted to be able to go. And so I just cleared my schedule. It was funny because it ended up getting canceled because there was a tropical storm. Um, But then I had a nice day off just in the middle of the week to do whatever I wanted Mm. to do and hang out with my husband. And we went to lunch with our friends who were also supposed to go on the canceled fishing charter. Um, And I just like having the freedom. It's really giving me the freedom to do that. Um, And there's something about working with people that, you know, are just the perfect fit for you and helping people. I love helping people just like reconnect with their bodies and treat their bodies well. Just also even when I'm at work, it makes my workday like even more fulfilling you know, yeah. and fun. And my relationships with my clients just feel much more enriching. It's like utilizing your time well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just nice to do nothing. And it's fucking great. Absolutely. And you're on some good vacations and stuff. and like Yeah, we just got know. back from Ireland. We went to Dublin and Cork. Oh, how was yeah. That? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I was saying to my friend this morning, I was catching up with her, and I was saying, if I could go every year, I totally would. I might. I'm trying to convince my husband. I'm like, we should go next August. We should just go every August yeah. to Ireland. And you can do that. And you have and puppies. and Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I guess because like, there's some people who there are a lot of people or media. I, it's like you grow up being taught that if you're not Jeff Bezos, you're a failure. Mm-hmm. If you're not the wealthiest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a certain amount of money we all need, but like you don't drive a Porsche or anything. Like you. No, and that's something I had to uh, reflect on this year when I decided, you know, when I decided I wanted to kick off from burnout to balance. Since I am naturally more of a perfectionistic and performance-oriented person myself, which is why I love working with those people, um, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself that like everything had to get done right now. Mm-hmm. And I had to make so much money right now. And I had these financial goals uh, because that's what I thought I needed in order to feel successful. And you met, so that's why I like talking to you. So you actually met your goals. Now, mm-hmm. No one ever, we always talk about goals. So you met your goals. Mm-hmm. Talk, walk us through that experience because a lot of people, I'm sure you get, it's the old lesson of like, uh, it's the process, not the accomplishment. <laughs> so like, how do you, like, once you hit your goals, like, that, did you do the, oh, fuck, what's next? Because I know I've done that many of times. Uh, yeah. I, so my goals, just for people who don't know, my goal was basically I left corporate and I wanted to be able to replicate my income in a corporate environment, but working for myself. So I had more um, flexibility with my time and money. Um, and I did that. And then because I'm very achievement oriented, my goal was, well, I want to make more money than yeah. I did in corporate because I just want to prove that I can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I did that. And then, you know, you hit your goals and you're like, well, now I just want to make more and I want to do more. Yeah, how did you avoid that rat race of just being like, all right, now I need to be a billionaire? Uh, stepping back. And so I practice a lot of minimalism in my life. Uh, actually, it was funny. I just cleaned out my closet and got rid of like most of my clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized, you know, a minimalist in terms of I don't need much physically like I don't surround myself with a lot of stuff Mm. so I realized like I should be doing the same thing with my time instead of just like filling my time up with more things to do Mm. right and more stuff that I can do to make money why don't I just step back and be more conscious of like Mm. what do I want to do with my time and I can actually like do less and be perfectly happy yeah and I guess that we should all do that and it's going to look different to everyone Mm -hmm. we're all going to have different numbers so like but that's why I think it's kind of cool you just you happen to be a person who's just like you hit a number and you're good you Mm -hmm. weren't the you need a million dollars. No. Which, honestly, I think the majority of people, I would honestly really truly say, are really, like, myself included, like, I'm very content of, like, 
I wish I had more, obviously, money. I'm not financially, but, like, I don't have a goal of being, like, a millionaire, but I want to be... Money talk is so odd. We always say things like comfortable. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I would like dream world. My perfect thing would be like debt free Mm -hmm. on my own, like uh, minus like a mortgage because like whatever. It's like just to be completely debt free and go on vacations and travel and have a job that I like slash love. And actually I do. Uh, But and um, I like kind of like what you do. Like it's like you have time. Like I just like it's like what's the thing you're going to do? Because you get to put your time, you get to put your time into the thing that you're doing. You're not being paid for. Mm-hmm. And they, they always say that if you could, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your mm-hmm. life, which I, I don't believe for a, a hot second. Because I do a podcast for no money for fun, and I love it. But there's a lot of it I don't like. Yeah, totally everything. And yeah, it's just the yin and yang or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that that's cool. Like it just we need more examples of that. Of just like I got everything I wanted. Now I should be happy. Not everything, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. When I was, I think I was in graduate school, I read this study at the time because money also interests me and just the psychology of money. Yeah, me too. Um, And I read this study that at the time, so this was probably like 10 years ago, I was in my 20s. um, It said that after people make about $50,000, that their quality of life actually doesn't go up anymore. So whether you make 50,000 or 100,000, if they survey a bunch of people, um, they'll basically say like their life quality is the same. Yeah. Um, So at that point, I was just, you know, in my 20s, I was not making that. And I basically said, okay, I just want to make 50,000. That's enough for me to feel content. Um, And then I read some more recent studies that show um, that number's gone up or depending where you look, they say it's about 70,000. I've always heard 75. I I bet like you probably need a real individual uh, person to really do that number. But yeah, but ideally like we all have a number. Yeah. And I feel like it's lower than we all think. Yeah. When you think like 70, 75,000, obviously for some people, that's a lot more than what they're making. Hello. Right. But also at the same time, like you were saying, like that doesn't make you the CEO of Amazon, right? No. Like seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars does not a millionaire make. And so hearing that, you know, actually most people say around that number, whether you make seventy-five thousand dollars or you make five hundred thousand dollars, the person who makes five hundred thousand dollars isn't gonna say their life is exponentially better than the person who makes like seventy, seventy-five. Yeah. I, I always I do agree with that statement. I always think those numbers are way off because mm-hmm. I don't think they ever calculate healthcare cost mm-hmm. because you, and that there's a flip side is like your life is better if you have money and you can't, it's just not arguing, not happiness, mm-hmm. but, but no, yeah, I'm totally with you on that hundred percent. Um, yeah, I know that's, I, I think that's interesting. And I love, um, do you listen to armchair expert with Dak Shepard at all? You would really No, like I it. don't. I know. I, I used to actually hate him, but now he, you, he's a recovery guy. He's, very, very into vulnerable. You would love his podcast. But but he always says the theme of his podcast, he's like, you're rich, you're famous, you have everything you want, and why is there still a hole? Yeah. <laughs> or I read a book once. It was by um, Ice-T, right? He oh, yeah, wrote a yeah. biography. I love him. And even Ice-T, one of the chapters in his book, he was talking about how like people are always going to have more than you. And even he and his wife had to kind of step back and make that realization. And obviously... Ice tea and cocoa, I'm sure, have a fuck ton mm-hmm. of money. Yeah. Right. But if he's still having that experience yeah. of having to realize there are people that have more than him and that, like, they have to pick and choose where their money goes and yes. how to spend it, like, then we, I mean, when does it stop? You it, know? I know. It, it's, um, as you said, Ice tea. Oh, I, I thought of someone else. I can't remember. Oh, uh, Jim Carrey has a, uh, this amazing quote that says, I wish everyone could be uh, rich and famous to realize it doesn't. Or I wish everyone could have $20 million to realize it doesn't buy happiness. Because, mm-hmm. like, I still, I mean, I, you say it, and I'm like, I agree with you, but I just, I want, I'm never going to believe it until I get that mm-hmm. to that point. So if anyone wants to get, send me some money, I've set up a PayPal, uh, Let's Chat Podcast. <laughs> but, so let's send Chris $20 so, million. So send me $20 million, but, uh, but um, well, and the other thing is, too, though, like, money is such tied to masculinity. It could be tied to your shame. Mm-hmm. It's, um... A hundred percent. I think that race becomes the thing that gets the focus, but in all actuality, your class defines you even more. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can keep the poor whites, the poor blacks, the poor Hispanics, and the poor communities fighting against each other, then the then the rich survive. But uh, like Martin Luther King doesn't get popped until he starts talking about income inequality. Mm-hmm. So like you, we look how we talk about money, right? People white specifically. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Hot take uh, about like white people. White people don't ever call themselves like 
white people will never call themselves poor. Not even individually, but we would never talk about someone who's white as a poor person. Be like, oh, you know, they're middle class or working class, mm -hmm. lower class, mm -hmm. or they've hit some bad luck. No one will just ever flat out and be like, you're poor. Mm -hmm. But we talk about, there are people who will talk about black people of different races and Oh, they lived in because there's there's listen. I've worked in this field. There's plenty of white people on SNAP, Social Security, mm -hmm. and living in Section Eight. But mm -hmm. every, if a white the thing, it's like oh, they've hit hard times. Mm. They're down on their luck. But if it's a person of color, it's like oh, you're just poor. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about money. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about numbers. I mean, I I am an experience where I ended up uh, making. I had a moment where I was making a certain amount, and that increased exponentially and before i made that money i think well i'll be all set and of course now i'm like back to where i was because you your expenses changed. Mm -hmm. but um yeah so it's like it's it's this thing that we don't talk about money and mm -hmm. by not talking about it it's a way employers to not pay women as much money because mm -hmm. i honestly don't know how much a single person i work with makes what if i make more than them or mm -hmm. less or i've had found out there are people make more than not this job but i had worked a job where i found out the person who like uh, was less qualified and whatever, whatever. It was literally just sucking up to the boss, got a raise, and no mm -hmm. one else did. Mm -hmm. And it was none of us were supposed to find out about that. Mm -hmm. and it all got worked out. But, like, by the secrecy around money, it's tough. And I think you are able to bring it to people in a way that's comfortable. And especially because especially you're female, you know? Mm -hmm. It's um, just the stereotype is that the men take care of the money and the women and then the women don't. I mean, that's how my grandparents yeah, do. Yeah, and that's not how it is in my house. That's, no, so but not it's right now. great that you can get up there and do everything you do. And then on top of all that, because like, you could be like, oh, woo-woo vegan and not or that world, but you're like, yeah, but I also have bills and I pay them. And mm -hmm. I had to make... You had to bust your ass for three years to like, I'm going to make up a number, to make $100,000. Mm -hmm. like, you know, I love that about you that you're just like, you show the the full side of it. Mm -hmm. But like, cause I think a lot of our emotional health is tied to money. I mean, well, I mean, if we're talking money, well, you can't talk about money and diet. Like, I mean, if you want to eat well, you can, what is it? There's the thing you could buy, uh, you you could buy like more calories per one dollar than you can like a tomato. Oh yeah, right. Like, like there's the old adage like you can go to the dollar menu and you can eat a whole meal, right? And what would you get like no at the dollar menu at the grocery store? What well, well, you, you go know? to Whole Foods and that's a tomato. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it legit is like a dollar for a tomato. And there's the, the, the old term like food deserts is like, yeah another way to keep people down. Mm -hmm. And if you go into like rural or poor or urban communities that are impoverished. I'm sorry, you know, down on their luck. Mm -hmm. You know, they they just didn't work hard. No, mm -hmm. you know, and um, there I remember. I wish I could remember. I remember watching this video in college of this woman, this black woman, gets on stage. Uh, she's a professor and talking about in my neighborhood I come from, and she lists off. You could like, you can buy an AK-47. You could buy this. You could buy cocaine. She's like, but you know what you can't get? An organic tomato. And listed off like, you can't buy vegetables in those areas. I mean, I lived in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. I fortunately had a car, and it wasn't a concern for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like. Money, actually, it's funny. It, like, doesn't buy happiness. And at the same time, there's a lot of power that money yeah. does have. Um, and that's one thing I really love about when I do the holistic health coaching, too, is um, one of, I think, the, the side effects that ends up happening is as people learn to take better care of themselves physically, right, they're also better to just, like, function in their lives, mm -hmm. right? If you feel better, if you're taking better care of yourself, you have more energy to put into work. Yes. You have more mental clarity to be purposeful in what you're doing so you're not just spinning your wheels. So I find it really interesting that a lot of people tend to be self-sacrificing and they feel guilty taking care of their health. Like that's mm. the last thing they want to yeah. do. But when it comes to like wanting to make more money and be more successful, yeah, we'll I think it. that's the first thing you should do because you will make more money if you stop and take care of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Big turning point for me personally was like I basically invested in um, just eating better, right? So I started putting a good chunk of money every month into like eating just good quality food. And for the longest time, I wouldn't do that. I was always, you know, penny pinching. Yeah. Um, and I've become so much more successful 
because I just I'm able to perform better day to day because my body feels good and so my mind feels good. I, what's that? Uh, I just heard the saying semi recently. Uh, pe- uh, there's penny wise and pound foolish, mm-hmm. and I used to fall in for that too. Is like I would do things to save money, but ultimately it was like hurting me yeah. in more ways. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the new equation I try to operate my life from is like um, is, again I learned from my therapist. Uh, he says like he's like if there's something you don't want to do because he makes up an, and this anyone can do this. You make up what you make in an hour, and if it costs less than what you make in an hour, then he goes for it. So I hate grocery shopping. I hate it too. So I do Peapod sometimes. Oh my god! I, I told my husband we just started doing yeah. the Whole Foods Prime delivery. Yeah. So we have Prime because I was like, I hate doing it, so I'm not going to do it anymore. But I would be too cheap to spend. Oh, I'm not spending three dollars. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but I just spent three dollars, and I gave myself an hour. And like having a toddler an hour or in general, that's an hour. Yeah. And a good quality hour because if you hate going to the grocery yeah. store like me, not only is it an hour lost, but it's not a fun hour at the grocery no. store. I think it's because we work with people for a living. So like I like to have my downtime just like be kind of by myself or with my like close circle. Yes. Grocery yeah, stores yeah. can get a little bit like clusterfucky oh. for me. Yeah. You're just so. doing something you don't want to do. I mean, I don't do it every time and there's and, and it changes. But I think that's like kind of the thing as I've been trying to do is like use my money to buy time mm-hmm. I was like, yes yeah and it's so sad to me how many people uh are self-sacrificing when it comes to their money and they won't invest in themselves i've been so bad and and and, and in all honesty like you think you're like oh i'll go to the grocery store because i'm gonna i don't want to spend that three dollars unless you take that three dollars and put it into a fucking like roth ira mm-hmm. you're gonna spend that three dollars somewhere else mm-hmm. which i did i'm like takeout garbage or yeah, something. Yeah, or like a latte frappuccino thing. Yeah, so it was like, I'm not actually saving money. And mm-hmm. so then I was just like, take that $3. And like, or like, so Victoria and I did one where we're like, all right, we're going to do a pod this week and we'll go to the farmer's market because we just want to go to the farmer's market and not shop. And if mm-hmm. we want something, we'll get it. And no, it's 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 definitely something I think anyone can do if you make $7 an hour or $500,000 mm-hmm. an hour. Because so I guess the wealthier you get, you don't have to do as much. Like, yeah. And you know what, too? One thing I've learned being a coach, because when I'm doing holistic health coaching, it's not through health insurance. So people have to pay me yeah. out of their pocket. Um, and one thing I've learned is that uh, people that you th- like you think maybe they wouldn't have the money to pay you, they do if it's something that they really believe in. I've had like basically like, you know, 18 year old to me I consider them like babies you know know. like think about how much money you made when you were 18 Mm. or like just starting out all $700 of it (laughs) right and I have people who are willing to invest in their health and pay me Mm. you know to work with me so if someone just young at the beginning of their career can do that or you know I have people who are living out of the country in cities that are like crazy, crazy expensive and are paying so much for rent, right? And they could easily have an excuse that they don't want to invest in their health and they don't want to pay for coaching, but they do, yeah, right? So I think that shows that like they're just examples that it's possible. It's just a matter of like we have to check in with ourselves about our own priorities sure. and our attitudes about money and learn to sometimes like reshape those. I know, absolutely. Yeah, because like I'll – I would do this thing. I'd be like very cheap to say buy – I'm actually – I'm going through – I'll just say there's something I need if it's medical or like a bed or something like I need that – something you need to buy but you don't want to because it's expensive mm-hmm. and it's just – it's a necessity. I'll put it off. I'll put it off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not – but then I would go drop like $200 on dinner. Yep. And I'm like, well, I and but that's okay because it's about how I spent my time. So it's not – I'm not against the spending the money on the food. It's just I have to have a better balance of, well, maybe I could have saved $100 and gone to $100 less for a meal mm-hmm. and then had both. So it's a lot of that of being like I need to start putting more in, into the, like with money. Yeah, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to get like a, a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Like really want to get one. And I'm not – I won't at the, for at least for a little while because I'm not uh, – there's because I'm still at that phase. We just bought a house. So it's like, ah, there's – Three hundred dollars, like that, can go to anything else, mm-hmm. and I, I'm fine with all that. But you know, I just, I feel like I can think of all these experiences in my life where I like put myself in these worst situations or did something to save a couple bucks, yeah, and then still like go negative in the bank account that same week, or still like it didn't save anything. Yeah, it's funny. I bought um. Oh, right before the summer, I bought a purple mattress. I'm not sure if you've seen the purple mattresses on social media. No, I will. Pick ha- your brains. I do need to buy a bed. Oh my god. Amazing. 
amazing and they have different versions of them mm. and like the top notch version of it oh my god I think it's like three or four thousand dollars for I have a king size well mm. I have a king size bed now I had a queen size Good. and I'm a crazy dog lady and my dogs which are both labs so they're giant sleep in bed with me and my oh, husband karma and yeah biscuit. oh yeah they're like oh. hardcore like they like to spoon with us so I had to upgrade to a bigger mattress or I made the choice but you know, I looked at this mattress, and it was $4,000, and I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Um, but I ended up getting the Purple 3, which if anyone wants to ask me about the Purple 3, you can find me. I'm obsessed with it. Um, and for a king-size mattress, legit, it was almost $3,000. I years ago would never ever have spent that. I would yeah. have been like, maybe $1,000 for a mattress. Yeah, and then, but then... You sleep, like crap so you think about like yeah. how much do you get like sleep is such an important part of your ability to function and you're going to use your bed every day every oh, I've, day i've done the exact same thing victoria had to like punch me like to when we were buying our first bed together i was like trying to go cheap like it was like when i got my first tattoo it was like oh you know what some things you don't go cheap on and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. uh, it's a it's a balance right it's a and balance. stop self-sacrificing like, yeah. for certain things yeah. Stop self-sacrificing. Sure. sure. If you want to get, like, the generic brand of, you know, cereal or whatever, if it's that's basically the same, right? that's cool. Yeah. But, like, don't get a shitty mattress yeah. if you know that you don't sleep well. Exactly. For me, I'm a very light sleeper, so I can toss and turn a lot. Having a good mattress is a huge deal for me. But you're so right. Yeah. And and. and I was so nice of you to share that information of how much it costs. So that number, don't get anyone listen. Don't get focused on what number she said. That number is going to be different for everyone. Absolutely. Maybe it's five hundred. Maybe it's six hundred. But yeah, I've done that too. I bought the less good thing to mm-hmm. save like six dollars, and then it ultimately would fuck me over in the long run of life. Mm-hmm. And this is your health, your well being. This is like everything. And I think the point is, it's about balance, right? So like, for yeah, it's a balance. I, Um, So it's like I still like I have a pretty bougie mattress, right, because sleep is such a big priority for me. But even then, like I could have got the like purple four, which was the super duper expensive one. And I will say it's like sleeping on a cloud because I tried all of them. Mm. But I also did check in with myself and I said, like, what do I really need? And also financially, what's going to work, right? So it's about finding the number that works for you, but also checking in and seeing if that number is just reflective of, like, guilt or shame that you have about yes. spending money on yourself. Needs and wants. And if yeah. that's the case, maybe, like, consider reworking your number a little mm. bit. And don't base your decision just on a number. Keep the number in consideration, but also keep in consideration, like, what are your other needs and try to synthesize those two things. Yeah. No, I think that's wonderful. I think that's such a good a good lesson it's just every decision needs to be a little more than just how much does it cost yeah <laughs> uh, like fully rounded i uh, know so we're actually running up to the hour is there we're... anything that we missed that you wanted to touch upon or anything like that and if if not uh, where could people find you online and all of your wonderful uh, a- adventures yeah i mean i always like talking to you so there's not much else to say because you're so conversational oh, yeah you're good at, it's funny i was telling my friend she um is a travel blogger and i was what? telling her that i was meeting with you today and i was saying if you ever want to be connected with a podcast chris is so oh, like conversational yeah. and welcoming because she's really afraid of speaking in front of people oh, yeah. and i said oh no if you meet chris like he makes you feel so good and oh, like unintimidating um so i'll just say if people want to look me up my website is um from burnout to balance dot life not dot com from burnout to balance dot life um i do have a facebook from burnout to balance um and i also have an instagram which i am not very good about using but i'm trying to be better so it's worth finding me there because my goal is to be more present in the future yeah oh, that's wonderful um and lastly, what is life coaching? Because I think that might be a term that people might not understand. Yeah, I mean, I think life coaching and psychotherapy are similar in some ways. I think life coaching has more of like a woo-woo vibe. But I feel like life coaching is basically just – it's sort of a balance, I think, between like mentoring people while also teaching them and gen- genuinely like coaching them and holding them accountable versus psychotherapy, I think, is more focused. It's very problem-focused. Mm. Um, and I think at psychotherapy, we focus more, for the most part, on, like, 
present and past. Yeah. Whereas life coaching, I feel, is more like present and future. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing this. Awesome. Thanks for having me.